The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and call the city council meeting for October 24th to order. Let the record reflect a starting time of 7 p.m. And with that, Clerk Swope, would you please take the roll? Certainly. Councilmember Brown. Present. Councilmember Daniels. Present. Councilmember Garza. Here. Councilmember Hussein. Here. Councilmember Jackson. Present. Councilmember Spadafore. Councilmember Spitzley. Here. Councilmember Wood. There are six members present at quorum. Councilmembers Spadafore and Wood are absent, and we are to the meditation and Pledge of Allegiance. All right, so council uh, and the mayor, do we have anybody we need to remember uh, tonight during our moment of meditation? Uh, we'll go first, Councilman Garza, Councilwoman Spitzley, and the Mayor Shore. Thank you, Council President. I'd like to take, to take time to uh, remember Frank Arosha Sr. Uh, Frank honorably served in the United States Army from 1974 to 1980. Uh, Frank worked at the city of Lansing as a chief plumbing inspector, returned in 2013. He's a 23-year member here in the city of Lansing, and he also was a proud member of the Plumbers and Pipefitters Local 333 for 43 years here in our community. So I'd just like to take a time and remember him. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, most of you know I'm a woman of faith, and my um, mom's sister died suddenly yesterday, and she's taking it pretty hard. So she's had a rough summer. She's been really sick. And so if you guys just pray for her, and if we can remember her and pray for strength as we get prepared to travel, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. <clears throat> and what's her name? Mom's name is Dorothy Gant. And Mayor Shore. Um, thank you, Mr. President. Um, I'd like for us all to remember uh, Michael McFadden and his family. Michael's a, a local living legend here in Lansing. If you heard his voice, you know him. And uh, he is a good friend of mine. I greatly appreciate all he's done. Um, and the funeral was incredible. And uh, so we, we welcome him home. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others? Seeing none, please rise and join us for a moment of meditation followed by the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. We do not have the proceedings tonight, so we are to comments by council members and the city clerk. All right. Do we have any council member comments tonight? Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. Let me get my glasses on. I wanted to let um, everyone know about a couple events that are happening. The first one is um, the Evergreen Cemetery um, uh, is having an event where they're sponsoring wreaths and volunteering and offering friends. And so um, it's to remember the fallen and honor those who have served. Um, and it's, um, it's Evergreen Cemetery's wreath, Wreaths Across America page. And so on December 17th um, at noon, there will be Wreaths Across America. Um, and there will be wreaths on at Evergreen Cemetery to remember and honor our veterans. Um, 
by laying the remembrance wreaths on the grave of our country's fallen heroes. Um, and so there is an opportunity to, um, there is an opportunity to purchase um, a wreath. Um, there is an opportunity to volunteer. Um, and so the wreaths are, are um, $15, um, and they'd like to um, buy a, a, about 150 of them. Um, and so the website is uh, wreathsacrossamerica.org. And so I would um, um, encourage you to look on that website and uh, think about uh, donating a wreath. The other thing I'd like to um, mention, and I told my friend Lorenzo Lopez I would, is he's uh, in a play called Fabulation or the Reeducation of Un is that Undyne? I can't read that. Yes, Undyne at the Riverwalk Theater. Um, it opened October 20th and uh, through October 23rd, and it'll also be um, October 27th through October 30th. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, do we have other council member comments? All right, seeing none, just very quickly, um, I did want to announce our next constituent contact meeting uh, in Southwest Lansing. Uh, that will be November, uh, I believe it is 12th. Yes, November 12th, 10 to 12. Uh, noon at uh, the Alfreda Schmidt Southside Community Center. That's located at 5825 Wise Road. I, I always get questions um, about whether you know folks from across the city can attend that. Absolutely. Um, we typically have folks from all four wards. Um, we have a number of your representatives from not just the city, but really from across the region. Um, and so absolutely, uh, and to, to, to my council members as well, I certainly invite you all uh, to attend and participate if you would like. Uh, but again, that is Saturday, November 12th uh, from 10 to 12 noon at 5825 Wise Road. And we certainly uh, hope to see uh, as many of you as possible. Um, the second is I wanted to say um, thank you to the folks that came out this past Friday. We actually had um, the inaugural, sorry, Southwest Action Group uh, Backyard Barbecue, and it was fantastic. Um, we had planned for maybe about 100, 100 uh, participants um, and attendees, and we got probably about 350. Uh, and so, you know, an event that was scheduled to run from 4 to 8 p.m., I think we were out of food by about 6.30. Um, and it, I mean, it was just a tremendous, tremendous uh, celebration of community um, and really all of this fantastic work that the Southwest Action Group is doing um, to advance kind of our commercial districts and corridors in Southwest Lansing. Um, that being said, I wanted to thank uh, not only the uh, SWAG Executive Board, but SWAG membership, um, also our SWAG Development Specialist, Joshua May, um, our sponsors, uh, and then Southside Smitty, the food was incredible. Uh, so I want to thank uh, Southside Smitty for coming out and, and cooking for everybody that was in attendance. And then we also had uh, everything is cheesecake um, out. And, and I think they were out within about an hour of food. Uh, people were going up for seconds and thirds. It was that good. Uh, so in any event, I just wanted to thank everybody that came out. Um, and if anybody is interested in joining uh, this work uh, that the Southwest Action Group is doing, um, and I mean, if you go out to Southwest Lansing and you, you visit, as an example, Pleasant Grove and Homes, you see really the fruits of their labor. They are just a tremendous, tremendous kind of force for change over there in Southwest Lansing. Um, but I would uh, encourage folks to um, think about uh, attending the next meeting that is actually um, November 1st. Uh, so it's always the first Tuesday of the month, 6 p.m. And those meetings are at the Southside Community Coalition, which is located at 2101 West Holmes. So again, if you'd like to participate in any of that work, um, we'd love to have you. All right, I have a few announcements. This is the last elect, or this is the last city council meeting before the um, upcoming midterm election. Uh, so two weeks and one day from today is the 
uh, is the election. Uh, lots on the ballot, uh, offices ranging from uh, governor, lieutenant governor, um, secretary of state, justice of the Michigan Supreme Court, um, all the way to a uh, local school board member and uh, the uh, final year of the um, term for the uh, first ward city council. Uh, lots of proposals on the ballot as well, including a proposal to um, add additional voting rights to the Constitution and a proposal to uh, amend the state Constitution, uh, establishing an individual right to reproductive freedom. Um, and then uh, we also have our own uh, city proposal. We have an amendment to the city charter as well as uh, the bonding proposal for the uh, public safety uh, facilities. So. Uh, lots of important things to be decided. Um, today we did cross some major thresholds in terms of absentee voting. Uh, we uh, just today passed 50% of the absentee ballots issued have been returned. We also crossed the 20,000 uh, ballot uh, issued threshold and we have over 10,000 ballots uh, returned as of today. So kind of a, a triple ganger to happen, happen in one day, kind of unusual to see all those numbers kind of line up. Um, just a reminder, folks, uh, that a lot of you have new polling locations, uh, so uh, be aware of where you need to go to vote um, if you want to vote on Election Day. If you want to vote in advance of Election Day, there's still plenty of opportunity. We can still mail out ballots up until 5 o'clock the Friday before the election. I recommend you don't wait that long, um, but uh, that is the deadline for us to mail them out. You can pick up a ballot in person, also known as early voting, at our office here at City Hall or at 2500 South Washington. And uh, opening tomorrow, uh, I'm pleased to announce that we will have another satellite location at the Foster Community Center um, that will be, uh, we'll be doing a ribbon cutting with the mayor and uh, Councilmember Daniels and some other folks will, will be there as well. Um, but we will be doing a ribbon cutting tomorrow, but that uh, location will be open generally uh, from one to six weekdays uh, starting tomorrow through the election. Um, so we're excited about that. Um, and uh, we do have some weekend events as well. So this coming weekend, uh, the 29th, uh, we have Souls to the Poles and uh, drive through Trunk or Treat. We started this tradition in 2020 when uh, kids couldn't really go trick-or-treating much and we have continued it. So. I wanna thank, uh, we're up to about 20 organizations and businesses that are sponsors of this, so it's really becoming a, a big event. The, the trunk or treat portion of that is from uh, 1 to 4 p.m. on Saturday, the 29th at 2500 South Washington, um, and uh, we will have a kids voting activity during that time, uh, but actually for longer hours than that, from 10 a.m. until 6 p.m., we will be opening open at that location for absentee voting, uh, getting register, getting voters registered, um, and uh, issuing and receiving ballots. Uh, we will also be open at that location from 10 to 6 p.m. both uh, Saturday and Sunday of the following week, so that's November 5th and 6th. Uh, so plenty of hours and time for you to uh, come in person and, and cast your ballot, uh, pick up your ballot, drop off your ballot. Um, and then, of course, Election Day, the polls will be open from 7 a.m. until 8 p.m. Um, today, by the way, is the last day to register to vote. If you're not already registered, 
uh, by any method other than coming in person to the clerk's office. So uh, if you can still get to the post office and get a postmark, uh, you can go to go online to michigan.gov slash vote and register online if you have a Michigan driver's license or state ID. Um, or you could even, uh, I guess if we received an email that uh, had a timestamp before midnight tonight, uh, sent to city.clerk at lansingmi.gov, we can accept that registration. So um, after that, you can still register up until and through 8 p.m. election day. Uh, by coming in person to the clerk's office at any of those three locations uh, when we're open. So uh, I know that's lots of information, but I really think voting is important. I think there's a lot of important things on the ballot this year, and I encourage all Lansing residents to participate. And with that, we are to speaker registration for, oh, I'm sorry, we are to community event announcements. If there's anyone in the audience with a community event, we'll give you a minute to tell us the details. And is somebody jumping up? Go ahead, don't be shy. If you have an event. Um, so as a an Everett High School alumni, I feel it's my due to inform you that uh, tomorrow, uh, the uh, Lansing School District will have the uh, James Clyde JV Invitational um, from 4.15 till after around 5 o'clock or so. It's for junior varsity high school cross-country teams. Um, if you want to attend in person as a spectator, uh, you can do so. I'm pretty sure it's free to attend especially if you got children who go to Everett or if you are an alumni, just like who go to Everett, Eastern, Sexton, or whatever school in this area, like me personally, as I was an Everett alumni. So that's all I have to say about it. Great, thank you very much. All right, then moving on, um, we are to speaker. Oh, we got one more, okay. Hello, Erica Lynn from the Village Lansing. Next Monday, October 31st, from 6 to 8 p.m., the Village Lansing is holding our fourth annual Trunk or Treat event. So we will have a DJ on site, LFD will be on site with the rig, uh, lots and lots of candy, lots of giveaways, prize baskets for best costume and for best decorated trunk. And as of today, thanks to the city clerk's office, thank you so much, we will be having a kids mock election that is gonna be Halloween themed. So for all ages, they will be able to cast a vote on a real tabulator inside the Village Lansing. So look out for the promotion on that this week. Um, we are still looking for trunk hosts, so if you're interested or you know anybody that is interested, as of right now, I would like to double what we have right now. That would be my goal. So even if you don't want to, I would ask that you visit www.thevillagelansing.org forward slash events and uh, send that link out to at least five people that you know that might be interested because we're recruiting for trunk hosts. The more that we have, the better the event. Um, I think that's everything. Thank you. Thank you. And looking forward to participating with you on that. All right, then we are to speaker registration for public comment on legislative matters. Uh, that's the blue sheet in the back. And that does include items um, four, I'm sorry, items three uh, through 24 on the printed agenda. Although I, um, 
Items 22 and 23 related to the ovation um, public media center did not come out of committee, so they will not be acted on tonight, but they are still uh, something that the public can comment on. So we'll give you another minute or so to uh, fill out a blue sheet with Jason if you wish to speak tonight. And in the meantime, we are to the mayor's comments. Mayor Shore. All right, thank you, Mr. Clerk, Mr. President. Uh, a few congratulations. One, uh, congratulations to the courts and our Office of Financial Empowerment. Uh, on October 12th, they had a licensed restoration event with 400 citizens getting help. All three district courts were there. The Attorney General was very excited for this and complimentary. Our Secretary of State staff, the Secretary of State staff actually said that we need to be training others to do this. And our courts are looking to do another one of these in the spring. So thank you to our courts and, and uh, Anethia Brewer, who I know worked hard on this. I want to congratulate, congratulate Shaheen Cadillac on their ribbon cutting, another new great business on the south side, putting some investments in right off of American Road. Uh, and I want to congratulate the, the friends of Durant Park who opened up their new stage in Durant Park. So that's exciting. Can't wait to see that being used over the winter and then next summer. Um, there's a lot coming up this week. I'm really excited for the first Avello flights to begin this Wednesday to Orlando. Um, so folks who want to get out to Orlando with a, um, uh, a discount airline, uh, they'll start being able to do that on Wednesday. Um, in addition to the Souls to the Poles, the city has a trick-or-treating event at Francis Park, a drive-through trick-or-treating event from 1 to 3 on Saturday. This is our, I think, our third or fourth one, again, starting in the, in the pandemic, but continuing on. Um, as a reminder, Halloween hours have been announced, as always, is 6 to 8 p.m. on Monday, October 31st. So uh, we, we hope everyone has fun. All the kids have fun, but stay safe. We have our Citizens Police Academy graduation on Tuesday night. So congratulations to all of those who are, who are graduating. We have our Starbucks official grand opening. Uh, the Starbucks on Michigan Avenue will be next Wednesday. Looking forward to that. Uh, the city uh, has their first participatory budget meeting next Thursday at Foster, um, and then certainly uh, everyone remember to, uh, to vote on Election Day and, and return your ballot now or vote at the polls. Um, I also want to add in this week is National Lead Poisoning Prevention Week, uh, and I recently approved a proclamation recognizing the week and the critical issue of uh, lead safe housing here in Lansing. Our Economic Development and Planning uh, Office, along with our program partners and community organizations, will be distributing marketing and educational materials door-to-door -door throughout the Willow Walnut Comstock Park area, which is one of our neighborhoods of focus as part of National Lead Poisoning Prevention Week, which is going on right now. Uh, the materials are focused on the city's Lead Safe Lansing program and other community services available to help residents have better access to lead safe housing that's, good, that's in good repair. And I want to thank Brian Dyer, who I think might be here, is the Community Development Coordinator for leading this important public outreach campaign in that area. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Okay, we are to public comment on legislative matters. Um, and actually, I, I should note, we do have a show cause hearing. Um, is there anyone here uh, related uh, regarding 2026 West Jolly Road who received a notice? Okay, seeing no one, we'll go ahead and do the referral of the show cause hearing uh, regarding 2026 West Jolly Road. Public safety. And public comment on legislative matters. It includes, again, items 3 through 24 on the agenda. 
Um, and the first two are public hearings. Uh, item three is an ordinance to repeal the license re requirements for massage therapists. And item four is an ordinance to repeal licensing requirements for wreckers. All right, and very quickly speaking to both of those is Councilmember Davis. Thank you, Mr. President. So these are just repealing requirements for massage therapists and wreckers that uh, already have existing law at the state level. So it was no longer necessary to have them here. Thank you. Okay, so moving on to members of the public. First, let me read through some of the items that we received uh, in writing prior to the meeting. Um, we received a survey uh, encouraging two-way communication uh, about city council meetings um, that'll be made part of the record and it's signed by, I did not count them, but I would estimate about 35 individuals. Um, uh, we re received an email, uh, again, uh, on the same topic, supporting two-way communication from Mike Dombrowski, um, and another one um, regarding, um, again, two-way communications uh, from uh, Zach Whaley of the Allen Neighborhood Center and Michelle Roberts of Disability Rights Michigan. Um, another. A uh, person weighing in on uh, two-way communications from Kennedy Carpenter. And another uh, weighing in uh, in support of two-way communications from Heidi Thornley. Now moving on to the folks who are here with us in person. We have, oh, I, I picked a bad one to start with. He I'm sorry, I'm butchering, going to butcher your name. Heather Patter-Holguin, followed by Erica Lynn. Erica, or I'm sorry, Heather, and then Erica. Hi, um, I am addressing the um, ability for people to see council and um, participate online. I believe that that's what's on um, the agenda. Uh, I haven't been able to come to these because I have a family. I'm doing my master's degree and um, I have other limitations and it's difficult. Granted, I'd love to be here all the time, but I can't. Um, and I know that there's other people that have much more limitations that I do um, and would like to participate in their local government and have a say and see what you guys are all doing. Um, my final comment is the fact that I'm absolutely blown away that this is even an issue that we need to um, vote on. So the fact that it has gone through so many uh, levels and circles um, just kind of proves the fact that this is probably something that you guys need to do. Um, and I think that's it. So just make sure you guys do the right thing. All right. Thank you. Next we have Erica Lynn followed by Kelsey Hudson. Hello, Erica Lynn again. And I am here to also um, speak in support of agenda item number 21. Um, it's all in the title, Participation and Transparency in City Council Meetings. Um, this was co-created and really brought forth by the People's Council of Lansing. 
Um, and that's because it is extremely important. This is not a new conversation. Um, I think that this is something that's been a conversation since the pandemic when we realized um, just how much participation we could actually get in, in civic you know, engagement, um, especially if we offered the hybrid meeting option. Um, when we realized that that conversation wasn't going to continue, we were still, still hearing from our community how important it was to them. We were still seeing the barriers. We were still seeing you know, people wanting to be engaged, wanting to come here, wanting to participate in this way, but just simply unable to. Um, I think that the levels to the importance of this resolution really can't be understated. And when we say levels, it's because participation means accessibility. Participation means being barrier free. Transparency means full participation. So all of those things have to come together in order to have what I feel like I've heard many of you vocalize and commit to, which is full transparency of government. So full transparency in 2022 does look like hybrid meetings. Um, it does mean not just pumping it out on a TV or people being able to watch it and stream because that's not full accessibility. Accessibility applies, I think, to a lot of different ways. When we talk about accessibility, we do talk about disabilities, right? We talk about removing barriers, um, physical barriers for people that can't physically come here. But there's also the non-apparent disabilities, the things that you don't see, the reasons why people are unable to be here um, because of you know, invisible illnesses or because they're not comfortable coming here and standing in front of you at this podium speaking into a microphone. Um, because they can't find childcare, because they don't own a car and they're not comfortable riding the bus at night. There's so many reasons, but above all, I don't feel like we should have to have reasons for you to want civic engagement at its fullest. So what I would task you to do is, what I would do actually is thank you in advance for setting aside your own personal trepidation, your own personal apprehensions, or your own personal fears that you may have thought about about making these meetings hybrid, and think about what the people are asking you to do. Think about what full transparency means and what full participation and actually wanting civic engagement from a diverse group of your citizens' voters actually means, and that means voting yes on this. Thank you. Um, next, we have Kelsey Hudson, followed by Kyle Richard. Hi everyone, um, my name is Kelsey and I'm also part of the People's Council. Um, yeah, so we are here to talk about government transparency and the two-way communication. Um, I understand the hesitancy of like not wanting to be in meetings longer, we all have our lives to live, but this is what you are paid to do. Um, and I feel like we shouldn't have to come and beg for that um, I have not been here for several weeks because I'm dealing with my own disability and my own issues. Um, and it just kind of sucks that I have to come here and do this again. Um, but I'd be so much more willing and interested if I could do this from home because I would be on Zoom meetings all the time. And I know many other people would be who bring a wealth of information and just 
any room you walk into, there's going to be people that you want to talk to, whether that's making a networking decision with businesses or making, you know, like services you would need. I just think that we're, we are all better if we're in a, more people are in the room as a community activist. One of the first things I asked myself is who's not in here and how do we get them here? How do we remove that barrier? Um, and yeah, I think being public servants is part of it. So um, I look forward to um, the two-way having two uh, two-way communication, whether that be through Zoom or some other platform. I think we could do really, really amazing work with that. Oh, oh thanks. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Next, we have Kyle Richard followed by Mike Lynn. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Kyle Richard, Fourth Ward. Uh, here, I'm also here to speak on item 21, uh, participation and transparency. Um, this resolution, uh, essentially what it says, if you vote yes, is that uh, this, this body is committed to working towards solutions to increase participation and transparency. And I, I think that's good. I, am, I would advocate for a yes vote on this. Um, I think what I would add, though, is that um, participation, if we're going to commit ourselves to increasing participation, um, what does that look like, right? Because we could, we could all bake some goodies and we could have a bake sale in the lobby, and that might increase participation for the evening. But it doesn't solve the root problem that's, that's causing the issue. Uh, accessibility is, right? It's the fact that people can't be here. You have to build a space for people to be able to come to it. And this space isn't like that right now. And so personally, I would uh, urge uh, any member of this body who believes themselves to be an advocate for accessibility to motion for an amendment to this resolution, committing this council to increasing accessibility and transparency over participation. Because think about my stump for a moment, right? The participation is the tree we see. Okay, we saw when, when it went down. We saw the participation went down. But that wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't that, that participation went down. The problem was that people didn't have access to the space in the first place. And so, like I said, I would urge any council member, I'm looking at council member Jackson, I'm looking at council member Spitzley, I'm looking at council member Daniels, I'm looking at President Hussein. Please make a motion to amend this resolution to commit this council to accessibility, to solving the root of the problem, rather than, you know, what is essentially uh, a resolution that, to, to some degree, feels like a pat on the back. It's an easy yes. Of course, I, I want more people to come. It's an easy yes. And so, uh, yeah, that's all I've got on that. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we have Mike Lynn, followed by Rachel Diskin. Hello, everybody. Mike Lynn, every ward. I'm from all over this place. Uh, I am here also in support of 21. Uh, we are now two months into getting this here. But I want to congratulate you all because I believe it's going to pass today. I really do. So if I could give you all a round of applause, I would. Um, we're in a moment here where one thing that we wanted is getting done. Throughout all the situations that we've been up here, um, advocating for and so on and so forth, I feel like one of these things is going to actually get done. And it's going to open us up for 
uh, being able to work together more. Uh, in every committee, I think during the pandemic, when there was committees, the DEI committee, we were in there heavy. We were in there giving suggestions. A lot of the stuff that came out of that came out of the people coming in there and having conversations through it uh, with Councilwoman uh, Spitzley. And I just feel like this is opening that up for that, for that moment. So it's not a negative. I know all the concerns. I've talked to most council members about this, and I've heard their concerns uh, that they have. I, although I believe they're unfounded, I can't tell somebody else how they feel about something. Uh, but I think that we can navigate that a lot easier than we can to not have an accessibility, right? I do agree with Kyle on the aspect that the, the, <laughs> the resolution is written kind of broad. It's, it's more like a suggestion that we want to do something. And I think that I don't know how this would go, and you all can tell me how this goes maybe at a later time, but I think the charter would have to be changed to make this mandatory so that we don't just move away from this at some point uh, one day when it becomes too difficult or um, it should be as law as a quorum is, in my opinion, uh, because it can be used and abused that way that if there's something that you don't want a whole lot of participation for, you can navigate away from this being a thing. So I, I would say that, yeah, that amendment does make sense. Uh, but also just figuring out some way that it's not just a suggestion or the council talking more on like how do we get accessibility and so on. Like make it this is what we're going to do and then we're going to work the back end to find out how we do it. And you guys have done a lot of talking and I love this. So I see everybody's focused on that and that's great because this is exactly what we're talking about. Like when we had hybrid, they were on his lap the whole time. And that, that's like the father of the year if you don't know, like he goes everywhere with his kids. I think it's amazing. And that's Lansing. That's a born and bred young man from Lansing that, you know, his kids are moving around counseling. Uh, one of our uh, city or people's council members had to go grab him outside. Just That's Lansing, man. That's what we are. Um, so I just uh, I applaud you all for doing this thing. And I, I, I truly believe it's going to get voted through. But I want to say in caution that if it doesn't, you are voting against it and not with all the conversation that will come after why you may have not wanted it, but uh, you will be voting against transparency and accessibility. So I'm just going to stand up here and look at y'all for the rest of my time. I'm just kidding. Thank you all. Uh, thank you. Next we have Rachel Diskin followed by Carter Brown. Hey there, everyone. Um, so I'm Rachel. Um, I am also here to talk about accessible, um, transparent meetings where everyone is able to participate. Um, so I emailed um, about a month ago with this request to the city council at lansingmitch.gov. Um, and the response that I got back cited um, budget and staffing as the reasons that this is not something that, they, that we can do. Um, so, I thought I might give you some solutions. Uh, first off, we got a whole bunch of money for with ARPA, right? ARPA money, all kinds of dollars coming in. This would have been a great way to spend that money that would have met that goal of ARPA to help those most marginalized by the pandemic. It would have been a really great way to do it. But that ship has sailed. So questions for council. I'm wondering, do you have an estimate on cost. When you say like the budget is the problem, do you know how much it's gonna cost? Cause I don't, um, but maybe you do. Um, do you know what a scope of work would look like? Like what really is necessary in order to make this happen? Like we already have TVs, it's already being, you know, it's on cable right now or local access. Um, staffing, yeah, we might need another staff person, um, but do you, do you have an idea of what that might look like? 
Um, have you reached out to the Michigan Municipal League or other communities that are doing this successfully to see what they have done really well, what they would do differently um, to help you out? And lastly, when we talk about costs, like I want you to think about opportunity costs as well. Um, you know, I don't know if you went back and looked at the average number of um, people participating in council when it was available via Zoom. I mean, I don't want to do that because that is not my job, but I will if I have to, um, because I am 99.9% .9 sure that more people participated then. Um, so I think it's worth the money, whatever it costs, um, to make sure that it's a two-way accessibility for council meetings and other meetings um, that we have here at the city. I'm gonna end with my experience um, that I had with a meeting at the Fledge. Um, so you all are probably pretty aware it's in a, it, the Fledge meeting room is a space kind of like this, pretty cavernous. Um, there were people in person and I was remote and I had no problem hearing every single person who spoke, even when they were like kind of talking over each other. Cool, I, I could still hear it. I participated, they had a volunteer um, fielding comments from the chat box, unmuting us, it went so smooth. So if you need a local place to look, perhaps chat with Jerry at the Fledge because they're already doing this really successfully. Um, they might have some tips and tricks. And I'm done. Thank you. Um, next is Carter Brown followed by Loretta Stan. Good evening. I am Carter Brown and I'm here with the People's Council of Lansing. Here to speak on item 21 and share some data and comments provided by individuals who are not able to be here today due to lack of accessibility in this building. Over the last few weeks, we've asked community members their thoughts on hybrid seating meetings and to get to the point, here's the data. 80% said that they'd be more likely to attend if the meetings were hybrid. But overall, what's stopping them? 36% said they don't have the time. 25% parking and transportation, and 18% said COVID and health-related issues. Following up was childcare, work, and having information on where the, and when the meetings are. We have already emailed you letters of support from the community. However, I am here to share with you some more testimonies from Lansing residents who are unable to be here today. When asked what barriers are presented when trying to attend, residents noted this, the distance from parking to the building, the steps inside the meeting rooms to get to the microphone aren't handicap friendly for walkers, wheelchairs, and those with balance issues. And there is no room for any needed equipment and ESAs are not welcomed in the building. To quote another resident, after 10 hours of physical labor, at the end of the day, it makes it hard to find energy for leaving the house once at home, dealing with the added responsibility of children, housekeeping, and making meals, having to get, having to get ready to leave the house, put the kids down, drive to meetings, parking, and then attending the meeting adds a whole bunch of extra steps that can double or triple the time investment that can be cut down within at-home participation. And finally, my barrier is, not me personally, but to quote this person, is no masking requirements. If the meeting is held in a room that is not safe for immunocompromised or disabled people or the people working for them to enter, the message is clear. Council is only interested in what able-bodied people have to say. Quite frankly, that is the message sent by council even if the current pandemic did not exist because there are plenty of other barriers to, to, for participating in online, or sorry, in-person meetings. 
having online participation as an option is not an unrealistic expectation in 2022. If they wanted to, they would. So counsel, I ask as a representative of all of those watching at home unable to speak with you today, will you continue to leave disabled voices unheard? Thank you. And our final speaker for this segment is Loretta Stanaway. Okay, first off on the same topic, um, I support what everybody else has said and I would like to add that I was disappointed. Maybe I'm not on the same page as everyone else behind me, but I was disappointed actually when I read this resolution because to my interpretation, it says a lot of nothing. It says you're committed to doing something you have not yet done. This has been an ongoing issue for so long. I think it would be embarrassing if I were sitting in your places to know that we have not acted yet to do something productive and actual in this respect, besides just continuing to talk and say, oh yeah, it's important, we're gonna work on it. You've had enough time to work on it. Get off your duffs and do something. Secondly, um, on the ovation, I know it got pulled and I think that was a wise move. Um, something to consider when you're looking for more information on that before the next round of meetings. I, I think if I were you, I would ask them to also provide a 10-year spreadsheet of what funds come in annually from PEG because it's my understanding PEG only gets money from cable channels. And I don't know about you, but I don't know very many people that in this day and age still pay for cable. Most have diverted to Hulu and Netflix and you name it. So if there is a demonstrative downward trend in funds from PEG that they want to tag to use to pay for these full faith and credit bonds to the city, then you need to have a good handle on what those monies might realistically be. Thank you. Thank you, that was our final speaker. So we are to the referral of the public hearings. Uh, number three, the massage therapist repeal. City operations. And number four, the uh, wrecker license repeal. City operations. Okay, we are to the consent agenda. All right, so before I turn the floor over to uh, Councilwoman Spitzley, do we have anybody that wants anything pulled uh, from the consent agenda? All right, seeing none, Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you. Um, Mr. President, I move the consent agenda as is. Um, tribute in recognition of Marion Owen's retirement from the Tri-County Office of Aging. Um, amending the 2022 City Council meeting schedule by amending resolution 2021-219. A grant acceptance from the League of American Bicyclists Community Spark Grant. Donation acceptance Lansing Police Department's Special Tactics and Rescue Team. Grant acceptance, domestic violence services, capital area response effort. Grant acceptance, justice assistant grant for capital area response effort. Grant acceptance, the Burn Memorial Justice Assistance Grant, 2022. Grant acceptance, stop violence against women, FY 2022-2023 grant. <clears throat> Setting a show cause hearing orders to make safe or demolish to the owners of property located at 304 Regent Street, and a liquor license for Smythe Phillips for an off-premises tasting room license and Sunday sales permit. All right, so there is a motion on the floor. Is there further discussion? 
All right, seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. <clears throat> Motion carries. Okay, we are to item 15, a claim appeal for 1802 Sterling. Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. What we have before us is um, a claim appeal for um, $455 in grass violation fees at 1802 Sterling Avenue um, during uh, government operations. Um, the owner of this property um, came to appeal this. Um, she was out of the country um, and she was uh, she was unable to get someone to mow her lawn. Um, so she, she appealed the ruling. Um, this went through the um, claims committee. I'm sorry, this went, yeah, went through the claims committee um, and they um, voted to deny her appeal. Um, it came to government operations. We uh, determined that she had in fact um, received proper notice. Um, the address on record was proper um, and um, that um, she did not call to request any consideration or extra time and so her appeal was subsequently denied. Um, and with that, I'll move the resolution. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Item 16, uh, claim appeal for 301 South Foster. Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. What this is is a claim appeal for uh, trash removal fees at 301 South Foster Street. Um, um, this, was, this was an interesting one because um, the trash was in an alleyway behind um, this person's home. Um, and it wasn't his trash, but because it was leaning up against, we determined it wasn't his trash, but because it was leaning up against his garage, um, code enforcement, according to their regs, um, had to, it, you know, they determined that the trash belonged to him because it was on his property, but there's an issue in the alley um, of, of illegal dumping, consistent illegal dumping. The uh, Claims Review Committee um, voted to approve his, his uh, I'm sorry, the Claims Review Committee voted to deny his claim. Um, it came to um, general um, government operations and um, we recommend um, approving his claim. Um, so um, it, it's not his trash. And so with that, I would move the resolution to approve his claim. Um, approve his appeal um, in the amount of $1,413. All right, so there is a motion on the floor uh, to actually grant the claim in the full amount of $1,413. Further discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, we have item 17, a uh, claim for 218 South Hayford. Uh, Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. What we have before us is um, red tag fees for 216, 218 South Hayford. Um, we had uh, code enforcement, Mr. Sanford, come to our government operations committee and um, actually moved or asked us to uh, grant this appeal. Um, in his mind, it was um, assessed improperly and they should never have been assessed uh, fees. And so, um, I'm going to move that we grant the appeal in the amount of $150 for red tag fees. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Questions, 
Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, item 18 is a public hearing for the South Martin Luther King uh, finance plan. Councilman Garza. All right, thank you, Council President. So the uh, Development and Planning Committee met on Wednesday, October 12th. Uh, we had in, uh, in attendance Mr. Christian and Mr. Dobernick from the South Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard Corridor Improvement Authority. Uh, this is to set a public hearing for November 14th. Um, so the Lansing City Council approved the establishment of the South Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard Corridor Improvement Authority with the goals to correct and prevent deterioration in the business districts, redevelop the city's commercial corridors, and promote economic growth. Uh, there's been uh, surveys, stakeholder interviews, previous planning efforts completed, soliciting input from residents, property owners, stakeholders, municipal staff, and public officials. Uh, so. The identity needs, uh, identity needs uh, through this project, such as traffic calming measures to promote, to promote safety and transit-oriented design, additional green space in heavily paved sections of the corridor, eliminate the blight through redevelopment of vacant and dilapidated properties, and attracting a diverse business mix to the corridor, hosting community events. So this is um, there's three key, key key areas: traditional neighborhood design, transit-oriented design, and complete streets. So they're also looking at improving some of the the, um, the properties along South Martin Luther King Boulevard, which would be like the Logan Square and and focusing on the old Metro Bowl. So with that, I won't get into too many more details because they will be having a public hearing on this on the 14th. And with that, I would move uh, to set the public hearing for November 14th. All right. So there's a motion on the floor and to set a public hearing for both the development plan and finance plan for November 14th. Are there further uh, questions or comments? Um, I'm just going to very quickly, since we do have Aurelius Christian in the audience, I want to thank uh, Aurelius Christian uh, with the now LEDC, uh, who has worked incredibly hard, I think, to get us here, uh, along with the South MLK Board of Directors. Um, just a fantastic group of individuals. We populated that board way back um, in 2020, and due to the pandemic, um, things slowed a little bit. Um, but to be at this point is incredibly exciting. We won't be here without you guys, so thank you so much. Um, with that being said, uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, item 19 is Brownfield Plan number 83 uh, for West Saginaw Street. Councilman Garza. All right, thank you, Council President. So what we have before us is uh, setting a public hearing for Brownfield Plan number 83, Moneyball Brownfield Redevelopment Project at 923 and 927 West Saginaw Street. Uh, Desmond Ferguson, if you guys don't know him, he's a local legend here in Lansing. He's uh, the proprietor of Moneyball. He is looking to develop uh, this section, which is in desperate need. I mean, I grew up like five blocks down the road, so it's, it's, it's pretty uh, amazing to see money getting back into our community like this. He's, he's planning on closing his, closing his uh, Delta Township store and his uh, Okemos store in the Meridian Mall and focusing this one on his, on his main store. Um, it's about 5,300 square feet. Uh, let's see what else am I missing. So it's, it's considered an eligible proper, property. Uh, the land on this site may contain solvent contaminants from neighboring properties. I believe there was a, uh, a dry cleaning uh, uh, facility next door, um, which they're treating like a, in vapor mitigation system, similar to the process of radon. So this project, I believe, is a tw 29 to 30 year um, uh, tax pass through 10%. And with that, I would move to set the public hearing for November 14th. All right, 
There's a motion on the floor to set a public hearing for November 14th. Are there further questions or comments? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, item 20, setting a hearing for the Oprah District for the 1700 block of East Michigan Avenue. Councilman Garza. All right, thank you, Council President. Okay, setting a public hearing for November 14th for the Obsolete Property Rehabilitation uh, Act. So this is uh, this applicant, Michigan Certified Development Corporation, MCDC. That's 100% ownership of the properties at 1703, 1717, and 1723 East Michigan Avenue. Uh, they request the establishment of an Oprah district by the city of Lansing on this property. Uh, the combined properties total approximately 16,000 square feet of formerly warehouse, retail, showroom, and office space. 1717 and 1723 were both originally constructed in the 40s and contain hazardous material um, and all properties are currently vacant. Uh, the mechanicals and the electrical systems, systems for both properties are antiquated and in need of extensive repair. The plan is to invest heavily in the renovation of the 1717 building for the use of headquarters of the MCDC. Uh, they're gonna be creating 15 to 20 full-time jobs with 100 plus construction jobs. Uh, this is a, and, and I would have to say there was one letter of opposition from the Eastside Neighborhood Organization. And with that, I would move to set the public hearing for November 14th. All right, there is a motion on the floor. Are there questions or comments? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carried. And the next item is the bespoke. Item 21, transparency and participation at council meetings. Councilman Jackson. Thank you, Mr. President. So this is a resolution and again, it's non-binding, but it does show council's intent that um, I amended, I had used the original one from the People's Council and added a few paragraphs. Basically, it reads, whereas the city council is dedicated to transparency and participation in the democratic process in the city of Lansing, and whereas access to city council biweekly meetings and committee meetings is an important step to achieving transparency and participation, and whereas city council welcomes and values civic participation from the, its residents and seeks to reduce or eliminate barriers for participation. Kyle, I think that might go to your point for the need for amendment. And whereas city council recognizes that increased access to the meetings could be achieved by recording, televising, and or streaming all city council and all committee meetings and would be a meaningful step to increase transparency. And whereas providing two-way audio via remote access for public comment in city council and committee meetings would provide increased transparency and an opportunity for increased participation from the public during public comment. Now therefore be resolved, city council is committed to working towards solutions to increase participation and transparency in local government. So that's what it reads. Um, basically everybody knows since the pandemic in 2020, things changed, whether it's um, our meetings originally, but also courts, school, doctor's appointments, churches all have hybrid options. And um, I think this resolution is needed. I know council um, has been working apparently on some solutions, working with people, 
but I think this resolution lets the administration know and everyone know that we hear you, but we also expect to find a solution towards this. I think a resolution would be one step towards doing that. It is kind of general, and I think that's so that we can all be on the same page and not have to, you know, have it be an issue of any sort. So with that, I would move the resolution. All right, there is a motion on the floor, and I do have a couple council members that, I've, that I need to recognize um, before we act. So first, uh, Councilman Garza. Thank you, Council President. So I, overall, I'm definitely supportive of this. I think transparency is, is huge, especially in public government, uh, local government here. I just have, a, I guess, a couple questions. So we talk about, um, we have hundreds of committee meetings that, uh, that we participate in. And I'm just curious if anybody's taking the time to, to find out exactly. I know somebody in the public already mentioned about cost and staffing, and that's exactly what I'm, I'm curious on. What's the cost? Um, what's the staffing? And right now, my understanding is the media center is under control of the mayor's office, correct? Now, would that be added to the mayor's office? Would it be a budget line item for him, for you guys to, to, uh, um, to look at? I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what it's going to take to get this here and um, how many staffing how many staff members increased staffing is it going to take? I'm not sure who wants to answer that. Councilman Jackson. So I can't answer those specifics, but I think for one, the resolution at least puts everybody's mind and lets administration know that we want to work towards this, so we should take the steps. But as far as, for example, the courts are concerned where people can come in person and or in the same hearing, some people can be in person and some people can be appearing hybrid by Zoom, um, it just takes someone to operate the Zoom, which could either be an existing position, could be an internship or a part-time position, or a position we would have to fill. Um, but that's just one way. I think there's other ways, but I think the resolution, again, doesn't necessarily need to know the details, but it does say if it takes a part-time position as council and as the administration, we're willing to have that in the budget because this is something that we actually want. So I think it's the resolution saying, whatever it takes, we are in good faith looking into achieving it. Well, thank you, Councilman Jackson. Just real quick, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely supportive of this. I will be voting yes on this tonight, but I just think that we have some homework to do to, to, to see what it's actually gonna take to implement it with the city. All right, and I'm so sorry. Um, there was no question involved, was there? Okay, I was sidebarring. Uh, we first have Councilman Daniels, and then we have Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, President Hussein. Um, you know, I'm I'm happy to see this come back up. Uh, I think that getting in the budget priorities was good, but this is a, a more solid step. I know a lot of people were disappointed that they didn't get the votes last time. Um, as far as the, the homework goes, really quick, Linwood, Washington, Reno, Nevada, Portland, Oregon, and Salt Lake City, Utah all do Zoom meetings now. So... If we reach out to uh, you know those city councils, I think we can figure out pretty easily how to get this done. Um, so I'll obviously be voting yes. All right, uh, Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. I too think that transparency is a good thing. Um, you know, I think that um, you know I'm a big fan of making sure that government works for everybody, and so if we can do that, that's fine. I'm just curious, how does this differ from the budget priorities that we did? Because in our budget priorities, didn't we commit to doing this? Or what, what, how, is this, how is this different? 
I think, um, and again, I didn't, I didn't bring the resolution, so if, if Councilman Jackson wants to, to discuss that, but I think in the, the fact that it kind of doubles down on the commitment, number one, and then two, um, specifically speaks to as a whereas um, exploring providing two-way audio um, via remote access for public comment. I think that's the piece that wasn't necessarily in that verbiage. Uh, and, but, but again, um, I'm gonna turn the floor over to you so you can address it, yeah. That, that's the primary reason, but I also kind of left out that it's kind of our chance to put our mark on basically what's almost inevitable at some point, I think, as far as hybrid meetings. So it's kind of like our endorsement and, and just council letting everybody know, including the people who we've heard speak about it for a few years now that we're serious about it still. Other than voting on the budget priorities, which we already did, but I agree that it's gonna cost dollars and I think you know we're gonna need to look at how much it's gonna cost um, I will be supporting the resolution my, my only I mean I again I think we've already done it in the budget priorities I think we voted on the budget priorities um, but if if we need to vote on it again to establish our commitment to transparency I'm all over that I think the next step then is to actually put together some sort of review or proposal about how much it's gonna cost. It's a good start, Brian. I, I know there are other communities that do it. Um, I'd be interested to see what are the different ones, but I'm in, a, I'm in a lot of cities. You know, I was just at the Flint City Council meeting and they do similar to what we do. They, they do the YouTube and so I'd be curious that what other communities of our size are doing, but I'll be supporting this uh, resolution. I appreciate that. Um, just very quickly, um, so I actually have had conversations with City Media um, to talk about what this would look like um, and how we would uh, work to um, create room in the budget uh, capacity within their office in order to, to actually get this done next year. Um, and it, it would take an additional staff person. Um, we could also uh, build in the budget uh, an additional staff person for council, uh, but we do know that the capacity um, that we would need, we don't necessarily have at this time. And so I'm going to uh, support the resolution as well because I absolutely support being as transparent and accessible with regard to our proceedings and our work as possible. Um, I think anybody that knows me um, knows that, that that's how I, I always work um, with regards to uh, you know, this, the council work, uh, work that we are engaging in uh, in South Lansing to try to move South Lansing forward. Um, so certainly supportive, um, but, there is, but there is language in here that says there's work to do. Um, and so once this resolution is passed, when we talk about creating um, enhanced levels of accessibility, whatever that looks like, um, we're gonna need folks to act actually roll up their sleeves and do the actual work of creating transparency, not just bringing forth resolutions and, and voting out resolutions. Um, so there's, there's gonna be quite a bit of work to do. Um, you know, when we get to uh, our next budget cycle, um, we'll obviously have a recommendation from uh, the mayor's office, but transparency and accessibility in general um, is going to take a little bit of work, a little bit of create, creativity and imagination on our end. Um, so I don't. Frankly, I think city media um, and, and the folks that we have, they know um, what is necessary. I don't think we necessarily need to engage uh, Portland, Oregon. We can engage our own experts right here in the city of Lansing that know how to bring this across the goal line. Um, but again, uh, because I have engaged, um, it is gonna take it is gonna take money and capacity. Um, I, just to give you a quick update before we vote on this uh, with regards to the uh, streaming of our committee meetings, um, it has been tough. Uh, we have right now a, a skeleton crew, frankly, on a shoestring budget. Uh, and so there have been a number of um, uh, meetings that were supposed to occur in the back room so that we could go through technology um, and we could see if, as an example of technology, that we actually leased 
uh, would actually work with um, the different uh, streaming services that we want to utilize. Um, luckily, we were able to um, finally get that to occur last week. Um, I had a meeting actually today, 4 o'clock, uh, in the back room with um, our director of city media, who was Dominic Cochran, uh, and the uh, equipment that we leased um, will not work. However, uh, we, do, we do know the equipment that we need. Um, it's not going to provide, uh, we were really looking for kind of this, this immersive uh, kind of experience for the individual at home. Uh, and so we, had, we were looking at technology that would um, actually allow for multiple camera angles from one kind of mobile device, if you will, um, and it would almost um, create an experience for, for the, the end user that, you know, it almost simulated them actually being in the meeting. Um, unfortunately, uh, there were some, some tech issues that we just couldn't work around. Uh, and so what we're, look at, what we're looking at doing is actually uh, purchasing uh, a camera uh, that would be kind of a fly on the wall perspective. Um, and contrary to um, some of what I heard at the dais, the, I'm sorry, at the um, podium, the mics that are hanging from the ceiling, those are actually 30-year-old mics and the technology that services those haven't been uh, actually in, um, in our, our council closet, if you will. You guys know our tech closet um, for about five to 10 years. So those aren't actually functional. So we're gonna have those snipped. We're gonna have, uh, we're gonna bring in additional mics and things of that nature. Um, and so now I'm being told that absolutely the week of November 7th, um, we should be able to um, start live streaming those, those YouTube, I'm sorry, live streaming those committee meetings to YouTube. Um, so, so that's coming. Um, the, the other piece, uh, if we're being honest about transparency and accessibility, um, the, the most vulnerable folks I know um, and the folks that really can't access this, they don't have reliable Wi-Fi um, and they certainly don't have uh, devices uh, that are reliable. Um, and so maybe um, when we talk about transparency and accessibility, we should also be talking about which would be um, a, a considerable uh, budget item um, and, and would also, um, I think, come with a number of complexities with regard to staffing, uh, but maybe getting off of the 10th floor of City Hall um, and maybe getting into um, some location that's a little bit more centrally located. Again, that's a, that's a heavy, heavy lift, um, but I think of, as an example, what we did during the pandemic at SWAC. It's centrally located, there's parking, um, it's first floor, uh, and so you know, there's a lot of conversations we need to be having, and I don't think it, it starts and ends with uh, hybrid meetings, frankly, all right? With that being said, do we have any other comments? Seeing none, there is a motion on the floor. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, we are to ordinances for introduction. Uh, we have an ordinance of the city of Lansing, Michigan to amend the Lansing codified ordinances by repealing chapter 844 sections 844.27 through 844.99 to eliminate city permitting requirements for solicitors of charitable and religious donations. The ordinance is read a first time by its title and refer to the committee on ways and means. So here's what we're gonna do, um, because this actually came out of uh, ways and means and our chairperson is not here. Uh, so what would happen typically is our vice chair uh, would actually report out on this um, and that individual is not here either. Uh, and so what we're gonna do, this actually came from Clerk Swope's office. And so we're going to let uh, Clerk Swope speak generally to this. And then I'm gonna actually uh, turn the floor over to Councilman Garza um, to, to move the item. All right. Clerk Swope. Uh, thank you, President Hussein. Uh, so this is one of the licenses that uh, is administered by my office. And I, uh, over the years, have realized that we have had very low registration and participation with this particular license. And it's, um, not a very effective uh, regulation, but also it's one that is covered by state statute. And 
So this is among those that, that I feel uh, we should leave to the state statute and uh, we should not have city participation in, in this regulation. All right, <clears throat> sorry, are there questions? Comments? All right, so Councilman Garza, we are looking for a motion and as part of that motion, if you could just state the date of the public hearing, we'd appreciate it. Okay, uh, so moved and the date would be November 14th. All right, there's a motion on the floor to set a public hearing for November 14th. Further questions, comments? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. Okay, we're to speaker registration for public comment on city government related matters. That's the yellow sheet. And if you would like to sign in, please see Jason in the back in the next minute or so. And uh, in the meantime, we are to um, items for referral. All right, uh, Councilwoman Spitzley. Thank you, Mr. President. I move that all items be considered as being read in full and that the proper referrals be made by you, Mr. President. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Hearing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. We have items from the clerk, minutes of boards and commissions. Place on file. Uh, fireworks display license for the Silver Bells celebration. Committee of the Whole. Uh, proposed council meeting schedule for 23. Committee of the Whole. And a grant acceptance uh, for election security grant. Ways and means. <clears throat> uh, Board of Water and Light rules of procedure. Place on file. Items from the mayor uh, regarding the appointment of Kirsten Walters to the parks Park Board. City operations. Uh, Act 6 of 22, purchase of parcels on North Cedar for storm drain maintenance. Development and planning. Uh, setting a public hearing and the ordinance for uh, establishing HUD conflict of interest policy. Uh, Committee of the Whole. Uh, Grant acceptance for Office of Highway Safety Planning for Impaired Driving Speed and Seatbelt Enforcement. And a grant acceptance Office of Highway Safety Planning Grant for Bicycle and Pedestrian Safety. Ways and Means. Uh, Public Act 425 Agreement, Windsor Township. Uh, Committee of the Whole. And uh, setting the hearing for the same item. Number 37, Committee of the Whole. Um, and communications and petitions and communication from Holy Cross regarding claims publicly made by a former temporary employee. Uh, place on file. And we are to motion of excused absence. All right, Councilwoman Spitzel. I move uh, for excused absences for Vice President Wood and Councilmember Spadafore. All right, there's a motion on the floor for the discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, same sign. Motion carries. And remarks by council members? All right, council members, do we have any additional remarks? <coughs> Seeing none, clerk swope. Uh, remarks by the mayor. Mayor Shore. Okay, uh, we are to public comment on city government related matters. Uh, the first speaker, and I can't quite make out the first name, it might be David Ellis. Uh, if you could clarify that when you get to the um, lectern, that'd be great, followed by Rachel Diskin. Yes, that is David Ellis. I wanted to talk about the draft sustainability plan. I attended the open house at the Foster Community Center the other day. To start off, I know this was approved a while ago, but I wanted to thank the board once again for 
actually having this draft sustainability plan and for what the city of Lansing is doing moving forward with addressing climate change. I think this is a very important thing that we're doing. My biggest concern though with the plan is it's nothing within the plan, but the actual enforcement of the plan itself. I, at the open house, had asked what will hold the city to the things in their sustainability plan. And other than saying they don't expect the plan to sit on a shelf untouched, they didn't actually have any real authoritative ideas for it. So my biggest concern is that the city is going to put forward a plan with a lot of good things in it that will not have anything actually come from it. I want an actual in-writing statement such as like projects that are going forward in the city have to abide to these certain parts of it. I know it's a bit of an odd example, but one example of this is the one to two-way street conversion that just completed around the Capitol. They, for two years with the delayment, they showed on the website that they were planning on including in bike lanes and things like that in the conversion. And then at the very last minute, the actual design that came forward had no bike lanes, and they changed on the website actually to show that they planned to maximize parking, even though that was talked about in the plan earlier, that they would be considering eliminating parking on a lot of the streets to implement bike lanes. And then another example of the city just not being very good stewards of client, like addressing climate change is the bike lanes they added to Aurelius Road. The minimum from the National Association of City Transportation Officials recommended for bike lanes is five feet. And on Aurelius, just south of Miller Road, it is one foot wide. I went down there with a tape measure and measured the bike lane, and the bike, it's, a, it's labeled as a bike lane on the website. It is one foot wide. That's like having the city put in a new road for cars with two foot driving lanes and just telling the drivers to figure it out. I know that these are plans from before the sustainability draft plan. I know the draft plan itself is not done, but once it is complete, I urge the city council to actually keep with it and not just let it be something that falls by the wayside. Thank you. Our next speaker is Rachel Diskin, followed by Mitch Rice. All right. Um, I'm with David. I think, <laughs> thanks for bringing that to my attention. Um, a plan is great, but if you don't have any actionable items on it, then it will just end up on the shelf. Um, but I just wanted to thank everyone um, for passing the proposal today. I especially appreciate um, President Hussein for, sounds like you've already been doing the work, which is super great, already having those conversations, um, and Council Member um, Jackson for putting this forward for um, the people of Lansing. And I guess I will just address Councilperson Spitzley's question about if it's a budget priority, why don't we, like, why do we need this? Um, well, my question is, if it was a budget priority, how don't we, how don't, how do we not know, like, an idea of what the cost would be? Um, so I think that just kind of shows the importance of something like this resolution um, and that, you know, um, it just, you know, kind of keep hammering it in until we figure out how to do it because it is really important. So I appreciate you all. Um, and thank you. Thank you. And next we have Mitch Price followed by Nicholas Zandi. 
Uh, good evening, Lansing uh, Mayor Andy Shore and Lansing City Council members. Uh, we understand the City Council's ad hoc committee on housing is discussing the Fair Chance Housing Ordinance. I know it's been in a process. We at Nation Outside viewed housing as a fundamental human right. Passing the Fair Chance Housing Ordinance would demonstrate the City of Lansing is willing to support people who are committed to rectify their mistakes, redefine themselves, and make meaningful contributions. Nation Outside is a grassroots and advocacy organization entirely led by the formerly incarcerated, though there are some of us who have never been in this criminal justice system that are supporting it. Our mission is to drive policy and practice reforms to build transformative systems of support for justice-impacted people, their loved ones, and their communities. People who have served their time and seek to provide for themselves their families face significant barriers in finding adequate housing. The ordinance would give previously incarcerated people the opportunity to find safe and affordable housing within the city limits. According to research, housing helps reduce recidivism and build safer communities. People who have stable housing are more likely to maintain employment, seek higher education, and less likely to engage in crime or go back to their old ways. Landlords and rental management companies often deny leasing to anyone with a criminal record. The, as individuals complete their sentences and return to the community, it's only right that they have a fair chance at a fresh start in a safe environment. The Fair Chance Housing Ordinance allows people with criminal records to complete an initial screening process before disclosing their conviction, conviction history. Sometimes it, we know it as a box that eliminates someone. Landlords retain the right to conduct background checks after a conditional lease is offered and to deny applicants whose record would impact public safety, property, or other tenants. However, people would be given a chance to offer evidence of rehabilitation to, final, uh, to a final denial by the landlord. We ask that the city of Lansing join many other communities across the state of Michigan who have taken action on this by adopting similar ordinances. Uh, for one additional need, I encourage all the voters in the city of Lansing to vote yes on the ballot proposal to amend the city charter. A yes vote would result in the removal of a felony conviction from a requirement to serve on boards, similar to what the nation outside is doing to get rid of eliminating uh, a criminal background history as an issue. The change would make Lansing more inclusive, eliminate discrimination, and give a good chance for uh, those you. who are formerly incarcerated. Thank you. Next, we have Nicholas Zandi, followed by Loretta Stanaway. Okay. Um, my name is uh, Nicholas Zandi um, from the second ward. I, this is the first time my public comment is going to be unscripted because it was scripted last time and I was looking down. So this is the first time I'm gonna actually be facing you for this comment. Um, so first off, hats off to you for passing that um, participation, um, the participation bill. I know that it will help increase participation and allow for hybrid meetings to allow for people to view it online from their comfort of their own home. 
And I hear some concerns about staff members for that, and I'm going to say that I might be pretty interested in that because I am actually someone who knows how to start a live stream. I've done a few live streams on StreamYard and Google Hangouts, so that should be no trouble for me. Um, but I also want to mention, I know I've mentioned this several times, and it is about the um, my decentralized Lansing proposal, and that is to increase the number of wards and get rid and phase out of at-large positions as soon as those terms expire, and make and put all city positions in one single election year. Now, I really am losing patience on actually getting it into fruition and actually to actually get it on the ballot because I because a lot of proposals like this should not wait I mean yes the deadline to get things on the general election ballot has already passed but we can always get on the ballot for the next election whether it be Mar May or August or November of next year and I'll tell you and I'll tell you this I am willing to attend uh, Mr. Hussein's uh, constituency contact meeting. I think that it's a great way to talk about it. Um, I also want to say, um, and to say this, but again, this should not wait. And to quote what one of the other members of the audience said, you need to get off your butts and get things passed because we should not be delaying and denying things. This is all I have to say, and I shall yield the rest of my 20 seconds of my time. Thank you. Next, we have Loretta Stanaway, followed by Nancy Oliver. And this is just briefly an FYI regarding the wreaths across America that Patricia mentioned. Um, as the last night talked to the Parks and Rec director about this, um, there were some unknowns yet, and I haven't heard from him if there's been any confirmations on those. Uh, but my understanding is that there are 126 graves in the Little Arlington section, and the intention is to have enough purchased to put one on each grave. The last I spoke with him, and I, I don't know that this has changed. I tried to reach him, but I couldn't. Um, if 126 are not bought, they won't permit putting just a few on a few graves. It would be one large wreath at the statue itself instead of, you know, half of them maybe being decorated and half not. So if you're interested in uh, seeing that come to fruition, do everything in your power to make sure that those 126 wreaths get bought. Um, I don't know what the process would be for refunds if there were maybe half of those purchased and, and that was the end of it. So just a cautionary that there's some unknowns yet there that haven't been settled. Thank you. Thank you. Next we have Nancy Oliver and then Carter Brown. Good evening and thank you very much for your time. Um, I am here, I am the uh, director of the Holy Cross Services New Hope Community Center. Um, and I'm here just to emphasize 
to you how seriously we took the letter um, and the allegations made against us. Um, you were all provided um, our written response, but I wanted to just follow up with you um, to let you know um, again how seriously we took this, but then also um, to reiterate that we want to be good stewards and intend to be good stewards of all of the resources by which we are entrusted for the people of the community. So I wanted to let you know um, Holy Cross New Hope Community Center is the city's only low barrier shelter, which means that the most undesirable individuals um, are those that are being housed and, and attempted to be helped at my facility. Um, we take folks who are um, actively mentally ill, actively utilizing substances, um, homeless obviously, um, uh, criminal backgrounds, um, and we try our best to work with them, to treat them, um, to also um, shelter them so that they're not on the street, out in the elements, that, and trying to keep both our current participants safe as well as uh, the community safe. So those are the folks that we um, are working with. Uh, we were made aware of this um, letter um, from a temporary employee through the Robert Half Organization. Um, and this letter she shared um, her allegations not only um, with several of our partners, um, our community partners, but obviously with the city of Lansing um, and your offices. Um, we um, wanted to let you know that we responded immediately to these allegations. We immediately dispatched our uh, centralized compliance team. Um, and I wanted to share some of the findings with that. Um, and I don't have time. So I will say um, we took this very seriously. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our contact information is in your packet. Thank you. Thank you. And next we have Carter Brown followed by Linda Appling. Hi, I'm back. I just wanted to say thank you to all of you who voted yes in support of this. The People's Council has been working incredibly hard to get data for you, statistics, reaching with people, signatures, emails, trying to get the information to you to understand how much this means to us. We just really appreciate you voting yes, but again, you gave us permission. You said, we'll allow this. Now it's gotta happen. So keeping it short, keeping it simple, I cannot wait to be able to speak with you from the comfort of my own home. <laughs> Hopefully very soon. Thank you. Next is Linda Appling, followed by Mike Lim. Hello, my name is Linda Appling and I'm from the Third Ward. Today I am in part here to ask you to encourage people to vote. In these trying times, we should be using every measure to encourage residents in this city to vote. To effect that objective, I am requesting the city 
to place vote exclamation mark by November 8th at all its LCD marques. For example, the one at the Jackson baseball field. Why can you not have vote on that? We need to encourage people to vote in terms of this. This would help remind city residents to vote. Every vote counts. I see no reason why the city cannot engage in this activity. I really don't. Why not? I mean, you're spending my money on various things. You might as well spend it on something that encourages people to vote. Secondly, I heard mention of a fair chance housing ordinance. Uh, again, I would encourage this city to provide legal representation for people on Section 8 when their building has been red tagged or they are having some type of physical problems with the area that they live in. This is needed. In my opinion, it would help defray cost and it would also help make it the deterioration of the buildings much slower. Thank you. Thank you. Next we have um, Mike Lynn followed by Kyle Richard. Oh boy. I feel like I just taught y'all how to ride a bike. It's like tough getting that through. Appreciate y'all though. Um, <laughs> all the questions, I just want to talk about a few the cost. And it's funny because I remember about a month ago when a $175 million bond proposal was brought in here. There was only ask of where it was gonna go, not literally like the how much and how long that is. And it's just like every time, I feel like a, like a stepchild, like I want something, but it ain't my pocket's light today. But when it's like, you know, y'all wanna roll in with a new car, no problem. So like, this is not gonna cost that much money, man. I feel like there's like, I can't remember Linda Gonzalez Sanchez was here and talking about there was like an umpteenth amount of unfilled positions right now in the city. Like, just get somebody in here to push the live button. Nicholas uh, said he'll do it. <laughs> I do it every Monday and Wednesday between six and eight on America 20 to Life. Oh, I was. It's been kind of light lately. It's not that difficult, you guys. Um, the shoestring budget we talk about is only really when it comes to things that the people want when it's like a late, a late item that comes in here, we wanna do something crazy that we're all just like, how are you gonna spend that amount of money on this? It's like really never a conversation about that. So like, this is something that's very simple. Um, I, the way that you guys acted is if we were literally pulling teeth, I can't imagine how you're gonna be when we try to change the charter away from the strong mayor, which is next. That's coming. Um, I think the mayor put on the uh, ballot this year to take the felony thing away from. That was awesome. That's a good job. That's a good job. I don't know how this works. Uh, uh, Nation Outside spoke on this also, but um, I just recently had a family member of mine ask about running for council, and I had to tell him, like, and I remember when Dan Ross ran for council, this was a problem, too, and it had to be, like, after 20 years. But why? Because a lot of people, you know, go to, may go to prison or may, may get a felony and not even go to jail. And then they can't serve on public office. Like, let's have a deeper conversation about it. Like, that's great what he did as far as the boards go. I mean, that's awesome. I, I don't. I think there was a problem in Ingham County with with Dan again. He was on some uh, commission, and everybody was really hounding that because he had that thing that was almost to the cutoff. And I think that 
if we're talking about equity and getting better with these things, let's, let's go all the way with it. And if that's something that we can do, uh, because public office should be for anybody who wants to serve, and there's not a whole bunch of us out here, right? And it's funny because the people that actually come here are trying to be involved in this, and we're getting, like, you know, just like you all are council members, we all have, like, our circle of influence of people to talk to us uh, from organizations or whatever the case is, and we come here to, to speak for that. And, uh, and, and if I had a felony, you know, God forbid I couldn't come here and, and do that, you know, like that'd be something that would be off the table. So I think that's important, but um, good job, you all. I mean, y'all did it. It was struggle, but y'all did it. Thank you. Okay, next we have Kyle Richard and then Erica Lynn. Thank you everyone for being here tonight. Uh, first thing I want to speak on is the budget. Uh, speaking on hybrid meetings, uh, Council Member Garza brought up kind of the age-old question of, you know, how are we going to pay for it? And personally, I, I look at the 10-plus unfilled positions at the Lansing Police Department. Um, it's just some salaries just kind of sitting over there gathering dust. Um, the I also watched the Lansing Police Department community briefing. Uh, if you're not aware, uh, earlier this month, the Lansing Police Department killed a man. His name is Ro uh, Terrence Robinson. He was 31. Um, and I found it, the, the briefing to be interesting. Uh, Chief Sosby talked about how officers are trained in de-escalation, tactical disengagement, scene reevaluation, and using tactics and resources to create time and distance. And I would encourage anyone in this community to watch uh, that community briefing and watch the footage from the dash cams and the body cams and ask yourself, did these officers tactically disengage? Did these officers reevaluate the scene? Did they use tactics and resources to create time and distance? Because personally, what I see when I watch that video is the Lansing Police Department the Lansing Police Department corner Terrence Robinson like a rat in a trap over some damn mopeds. Mopeds. We're killing people over mopeds. The Lansing Police Department, frankly, is not worthy of the funding that they wish to receive. The fact that they were lumped in with the firefighters and the ambulances on this $175 million bond is a disgrace. And it's the second time since I've been living, in, living and voting in Lansing where the Lansing Police Department has been lumped in with other services. This time it's the fire trucks and the ambulance. Last time it was the sidewalks. One might think that the Lansing Police Department is not capable of receiving funding from the public on its own. One might wonder why that is. Thank you. Thank you. Next, Erica Lynn, followed by John Morin. I'm going to try to squeeze something in really quick that I didn't plan on. But um, after hearing some of the comments uh, that Ms. Oliver came in to talk about uh, representing Holy Cross in the letter, I, too, read that letter. Um, I, too, took it very seriously. Um, I would hope that they would take those allegations seriously, but what I really just wanted to touch on is 
I was really disturbed at the usage of the, the term, the most undesirable when speaking about their demographic. Um, wow, a lot to unpack there. Um, I think that that is extremely unnerving. That is really disappointing. And that's really alarming to hear a direct service provider refer to the people that they serve in that way. Um, I think that I would challenge that extremely strongly because I would say that, that they are not our most undesirable. They are our most important in our community. And if we take care of those that are the ones that need the most, then we will all be okay. So the mindset there clearly has to change if you have someone that is comfortable standing in front of you and using that type of terminology about the people that they supposedly serve. Um, moving on to what I really came to talk to you really quickly about, because I've used half my time, um, gratitude. Um, it passed through. But I just wanted to talk really quick about some of the um, you know, mentions of a lot of the things that we're all apprehensive about and all of this trepidation about it. Um, I appreciate the talk about cost and the questions about cost. We welcome those, we always should. Um, I do wanna say we have a reference point. Can we do a cost study on the pandemic? We do have, it may not be you know, the most formidable reference, I get that, um, but we have a good reference point to look at in which we already did these things during the pandemic. So it's a start, to Adam's point, we, we've got that. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about just the questions. I welcome those questions. We should be asking these questions. I would like to hear those a lot more often. When we talk about passing things through, we have you know, developers and, and multi-decade, millions of dollar pilots coming through. Um, when we've got things coming through to spend money and it's $300,000, it's like the questions that get asked are really minute. It's like, well, you know, we'd like to get more detailed on this, not that it's $300,000 for a committee. So. Again, just perspective, I just want to point that out. And then some of the other things that were kind of voiced, um, Council President's correct, this, is not a, this, is, this doesn't start and end with this. Um, we talked about the most vulnerable, some not having internet access. What I would say to that is um, LSD provides hotspots, Comcast runs a program, Capital Area Community Services gives hotspots often. Um, there are a lot of different ways to address that. Um, and I would say to that is something that I know about our community is that we take care of each other. Let us worry about those things if that is truly a barrier because we will find that out. So thank you for voting it through though. Thank you and our final speaker is John Morin. The last three years I lived in Lansing, I didn't pay my John, tax. I need you to, to please direct your comments. Because to of cops. Uh, I was gonna talk about Ed Zaney today. Uh, first time hold I on, met hold him. On one second, if you could stop the clock. All right, John. Um, really quickly, um, and I, I thought I mentioned uh, this to you uh, back when we talked on the phone. During city government-related matters, you can absolutely be critical of council. You can absolutely be critical of the mayor. You can be critical of our city departments. What I can't allow you to do is talk about a private citizen at the podium. But he, okay? uh, I cannot is allow. Tied up with the city also. I, I cannot allow you to, to talk about him. Oh my goodness. Okay, then I can say this. I intend on putting all of this on YouTube, all of the videos, the evidence uh, that I have regarding what I went through uh, in dealing with the police. Uh, I would have hoped that the mayor would have stepped forward and said that, hey, maybe we can uh, have you go do a deposition 
with the city attorney's office. I was supposed to do that when I was, uh, after all the cases were resolved and thrown out. Uh, but uh, that got canceled. And uh, my lawyer at the time fired the secretary because of it, because I wasn't informed that it had been canceled. Uh, I would have hoped that maybe the mayor would step forward and, and find a way where this information can be divulged and, uh, and we could uh, uh, find a, a common ground where we can uh, find an understanding as to uh, what, what occurred, who was responsible, maybe have a little bit of accountability. That's why I didn't pay my taxes the last three years I, I lived in Lansing. Why should I? I mean, I had cops coming to my house, stealing out of my safe. I had them, even after they dropped all the charges, the cops wanted to keep my property. It cost me another $500 to fight that. And that was only successful after Dunning's come out and said that we hadn't committed no crimes and they had no reason to keep our property. So everything they did to me was for, was for profit. They weren't after me because I was a criminal. They offered us plea bargains. First thing I told the lawyer when I met him, I gave him five things that was going to happen. All the charges were going to be dropped. Uh, all of my property was going to be returned. I was going to go back to growing marijuana. Uh, I was going to watch the guy that caused it all, Samuel Funches, go to jail for the crimes that he had committed. And... Uh, I was going to sue the city of Lansing for what they did. And I wasn't able to do that because my attorney used the city against me, took advantage of me, used me for working on his house for a year and on property he owned. And I never got paid for that. And everything he told me regarding the lawsuits with the city was nothing but lies. So he used the city to take advantage of me and swindle me. And I have a little bit of problem with that. Next week, I'm going to talk about the lawyer's brother who assaulted me when I asked to try to get surety deposit back on property I rented from him. So maybe you'll give me a call, Mayor. Thank you. That was our final speaker. All right. With no other business for the body, we are adjourned at 841.